The word darkness often symbolizes sin and evil in God's word. Or it can refer to the state of having no revelation from God. In other words, ignorance of God and his will. But thirdly, it sometimes means trouble and perplexity. Sometimes people choose to live in the first kind of darkness. They choose to live lives of evil and sin. There are millions about us who are stumbling in the darkness, having never found the light or having disregarded it and rejected it if they did find it. But then there are times when every single one of us is thrust into the third kind of darkness. Circumstances overtake us and there seem to be no answers. And sometimes we as God's people go through those times of darkness. It might be a sickness. Uh, it might be the death of somebody that we dearly love. Maybe we are faced with our own mortality. Maybe there is a financial disaster. Maybe there is a broken relationship. And we simply cannot make sense, it seems, of what has happened to us. We've heard all of the preaching, we have learned all of the formulas, we've memorized the Christian cliches, and just when we think that we have everything all figured out, we're plunged into deep, deep darkness and the resulting perplexity and despair. Our scripture tonight is a powerful passage that's tucked away in the 50th chapter of Isaiah, verses 11 and 12. And I want you to listen to what the prophet says to us tonight he says who is among you that feareth the Lord that obeyeth the voice of his servant now stop there because you would think that if a person is fearing the Lord that if a person is obeying the voice of God's servant that the very next statement would be that everything is well but that's not what Isaiah says he says who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant but walketh in darkness and hath no light let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God behold all ye that kindle a fire that compass yourselves about with sparks walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled and this shall ye have of mine hand ye shall lie down in sorrow and when the darkness comes and if it hasn't it will what do you do how do you react to that where do you go for refuge well, Isaiah here has for us a reminder, he has a warning, and he has a tremendous promise. And the first thing that I want you to notice from what Isaiah says is that those who are the closest to the God of light are often the ones who walk through the deepest times of darkness. We're not talking about people who are rebellious and people who are disobedient toward God. Those people invite trouble and they invite darkness into their lives. We're talking about the man or woman who fears and loves the Lord. Do you know that darkness should not be such an unusual thing in the life of a Christian? Now we want to think, and many people do have a very distorted view of Christianity, that everything is just going to be sunshine and roses, that everything's going to be joy and light all along the way, and somehow we're just going to go through life in this wonderful existence and ever-ascending scale of health and success, and then finally at a serene old age, we're going to have a glorious exit and be ushered off to heaven. Well, it'd be nice if it happened that way, but the fact is, it doesn't. And in fact, every Christian who has lived for any length of time can tell you about some dark valley of the soul 
that they have been through and perhaps several. Isaiah says that sometimes the people who fear the Lord and obey the voice of God's servants have no light. And you know, there are multitudes of Christian people today who are walking through some kind of darkness. They have pressing, crushing burdens on their shoulders. Uh, you know, and as we read God's Word, as we study the Bible, we quickly learn about nearly every saint of Bible days who went through some dark night of the soul. When they were so perplexed and driven to such despair, they almost wondered if God had forsaken him. I mean, think about Job. Bible doesn't say that Job was a wicked man, an evil man. It says the exact opposite, that Job was an upright man. He eschewed evil. But yet, of course, how we know that Job was plunged into deep darkness in his life. We read in the New Testament about John the Baptist. And Jesus once said there was not a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. He wasn't a bad man. He was a mighty preacher. He was a great, uh, he was a great prophet. He brought multitudes of God's people to repentance. But yet, toward the end of his life, he was taken and he was put into a dark and dismal prison. And he got into such perplexity. He got into such darkness and such seeming despair that he sent his own disciples to Jesus to ask, tell them, to ask him, are you indeed the Messiah or should we look for another? In other words, I don't understand this. If Jesus is really the Christ, if he really is who he claims to be, uh, then what am I doing here in jail? Well, even the Apostle Paul, Paul, the mightiest theologian and most uh, devoted Christian, I suppose, to ever live. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And that word perplexed means I'm in a mental loss. I mean, we think of Paul as having all of the answers and having the Christian system down to a science. But yet Paul says, I am perplexed. I don't understand. Friends, God never promised to deliver us from our trouble. He promised to deliver us through our trouble. And remember that when life pulls the rug out from under you, remember that when you have no answers, you're in good company. And it does not mean necessarily that there is some sin in your life because our text says that those who fear the Lord and obey him often walk in darkness. The second thing that Isaiah teaches us is that the faith that is born in light is later developed in the darkness. Now this imagery, of course, harkens back to uh, uh, something that a lot of the young people don't understand a whole lot about, I suppose. Now if you want to take a photograph, you take out a digital device, you take out your phone and you point it, you push a button and through a digital process an image is recorded. Hasn't been very many years ago though since we carried around a little bit of a bulkier device that uh, you had to take some film and put it in this, uh, this dark uh, compartment on the back of that device and uh, that film uh, would be uh, kept in the dark and then all of a sudden when you push the shutter of that camera uh, that shutter would open and uh, there would be a burst of light that would expose that film and an image could later be developed from that. Well that's what we mean when we say that what Isaiah is telling us is that faith that is born in the light is later developed in the darkness. Now when did your faith grow the most? Uh, think back to when you became a child of God. Could we not say, in the case of all of us, that faith is born in the light? In other words, when we become a Christian, that's a wonderful time. That's a happy time in our lives. We know our sins have been forgiven. We're a child of God. Everything's wonderful. Everything's new. Faith is born in the light. But I want to tell you, faith that's born in the light is going to be developed in the darkness. And the real test of your spiritual character is not how you react in the light. 
It's how you react in the dark. It's not what you do here in this church building when you're surrounded by other Christians and thinking about and hearing about God and Christ and singing about heaven and so forth. The real test comes when you feel alone and when you are plunged into the darkness of life. When has your faith grown the most? When has it acquired real substance? Was it in the good times of life? You know it wasn't. It was in the dark times of life. It was when you were driven to the Lord's care and his comfort and his keeping. Do you have joy tonight? Do you have real joy? And I don't mean this frivolous sense of happiness that the world thinks is joy. I mean, do you have a real, deep, abiding peace and joy? Where does that come from? Are you sure you have joy? Are you sure that what you think and mistake for joy is not a sense of security because of maybe money? Or uh, maybe it's because you've enjoyed basically good health through your life thus far. Maybe it's because you're surrounded by family and loved ones and things are going along in life fairly well for you. And so you feel a sense of comfort and security in that. Well, I know how to tell you if you have joy, take your money away. Take your health away. Go to the doctor and get that awful report. And then see if you have joy. Now, how does God develop our faith in the darkness? Isaiah mentions two things. He says, if a man is walking in darkness who loves the Lord, he has no light. He says, let him trust in the name of the Lord. And number two, stay upon his God. Trust in the name of the Lord. Don't demand an explanation from God. Just resolve to trust him and stay upon his word. And because it does not make sense to you, does not mean that it doesn't make sense. Just trust in God. Sometimes we don't know the why so that we can know the who. But second of all, Isaiah says, stay on your God. Now that doesn't mean go out here and find God and then stay there. What that means is that word stay actually uh, harkens back to the root of the word used in the 23rd Psalm. When David, the psalmist says, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Now, a staff is something that a shepherd would lean on. In other words, he's saying, lean upon God for support and for stability. It's interesting when you read the 23rd Psalm, David begins by telling us about God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He's telling us who God is. He's talking about God. But when you get down to verse 4, he says, he's in a deep, dark, uncertain valley in his life. And he says, yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they do comfort me he's not talking about God now he's talking to God and he is experiencing a relationship with God that he would not have had in the light stay or lean upon God that's what God was teaching in the book of Job Job is perplexed he has no answers he doesn't know why all of his possessions why his family his loved ones were all snatched away from him and now he is sitting in the midst of such darkness and such suffering and it's almost as though he is looking up and he is saying to God God I wish you would come down here so I could talk with you because you owe me some answers I don't understand this and he, it is almost as if he wants to take God and put him into court and put him on trial do you know that when the book of Job ends and Job is a rather long book when the book of Job ends Job never knows why he suffered God never revealed that to him God never told Job why he suffered. It was a mystery to him. But yet, 
Job concludes by saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And he never cursed God. So when the darkness comes, don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't take a back seat. Don't try to make sense of everything. Trust in the name of the Lord. Run for refuge beneath his wings, as the theme of this meeting suggests. Stay upon God. Thirdly, I believe Isaiah teaches us that some things are seen in the dark that will never be seen in the light. Obviously, there are some things we can only see in the light. But oh, there are some marvelous things that you can only see in the dark. And let me tell you, you will learn some things in the dark that you can never learn in the light. We've been looking at verses 10 and 11. If you back up to verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah 50, the prophet says, I, God says through him, I clothe the heavens with blackness. I make sackcloth their covering. That literally means I put a veil over the sun. God allowed the light to go away. Now Isaiah's conclusion from that is, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. What does that mean? It means he came out of that darkness knowing more than he did when he went in. And Isaiah says, he can now see that in the darkness he was learning some things. You ever heard somebody say, boy, the stars are out tonight. Well, that's wrong. The stars are out all the time. The stars are out at noon, but you don't see them. I mean, it takes the blackness of the night in order to see the stars twinkling up in the heavens. David said in Psalm 148 and 1, Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. They praise the Lord. But they do it at night when they shine. That is when we can see them. There's something about the darkness that seems to sharpen our spiritual eyesight. Think about it this way. In the day, we see that which is near, but at night, we see that which is far away. In the day, we see the clouds. Now, the clouds look way above our heads, but really, they're not very far. Get on an airplane. You take off. You're not off the ground for just a moment or two, and you're already soaring above the clouds. You look at the blue vaulted sky, and it looks endless. It's not very far away. The atmosphere of the earth is just a, really a few miles above us, and then you're all in the abyss of outer space. So you don't see very far in the day. But brother, you see a long way at night. And you go out on a clear night, and you look up at those stars twinkling off in the heavens, and understand that what you're seeing, in many cases, is not even there. Because it is so far away and light travels at a certain speed that by the time that we receive that light, the star is burned out. We seemingly see for an eternity at night. You may see more clearly in the day. You'll see further at night. And listen, you may have your brightest thoughts in the daytime. And I'll tell you, you'll have your deepest thoughts in the night. Isaiah as well teaches us that it is better to lean on God in darkness than to stand alone in our own light. Listen to him again in verse 11. He says, Behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. When the lights go off, what's the temptation? Turn the lights on. Go find, go, uh, go create some source of light. Light a match, light a candle. What Isaiah is talking about here are those who do not wait upon the Lord's revelation and trust in him but rather turn to their own wisdom and their own way out. Isaiah is basically saying that lighting our own fire in the darkness is like going out at night with a flashlight and shining on a sundial to see what time it is. Don't create your own light, he says. 
You resolve to trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon God. Now, God says if you go out and you walk in the sparks of your own fire, if you go out and you create your own light to find your way out of this darkness, he says, this shall ye have of mine hand, you will lie down in sorrow. There's a very good Bible example of that. God told Abraham in a great time of light in his life, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And uh, this son's going to be a great blessing. That all sounded wonderful. The problem is time passed and there was no son. And Abraham began to wonder about this. His wife began to wonder about this. And she tells him, well, here's my maiden, Hagar. Why don't you go and be with her? And perhaps you can conceive a son and there will be your son. And Abraham did that. And when he did that, what he was basically doing was doing what Isaiah talks about here. He's lighting his own fire. And do I have to tell you tonight that the children of Abraham for generations and millennia since that time have only been made to lie down in sorrow because of that decision. So you may not understand what you're going through tonight. You may not understand what you've gone through this past year, but it is better to be leaning on God in the darkness than standing alone in your own light. In conclusion, Isaiah teaches us that the light seems brighter after the darkness. Listen, he says in verse 4, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. In other words, you'll come out of that darkness. You trust in God. You stay upon God. He says you're going to come out of that darkness knowing some things that you never knew before. You're going to come out of that darkness with a deeper, richer, more meaningful relationship with God. God has given the faithful this promise. For every sunset, there is a sunrise. For every cross, there is a crown. For every Golgotha way, there is an Emmaus road. For every Calvary, there is a resurrection. David said in Psalm 112 and verse 4, Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. But did you get what he said? He said, under the upright, that is the person who trusts in the name of the Lord, the person who stays upon God, under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. There's a passage we all love if we'll just write it upon our hearts and remember it when the darkness comes. Psalm 30 and verse 5. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. In the text upon which the great theme of this meeting is based, Psalm 91 and verse 4, he said, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Listen, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. A man came home with his eight-year-old daughter from the cemetery where they had just put into the cold ground a devoted wife and a loving mother. They came home, just the two of them, to a big, cold, empty house. The little girl asked her daddy, Daddy, can I sleep with you tonight? He was glad she asked that because he didn't want to be alone. And so they went to bed that night and they turned off the lights and after a moment of silence, he heard her timid little voice in the darkness say, Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, it's dark. 
Daddy, it's so dark, I don't think I've ever seen it this dark before. And then she asked, Daddy, is your face toward me? Daddy, do you love me in the dark like you do in the light? And he said, yes, honey, I love you in the dark just like I do in the light. I'm right here. Go to sleep. And so with that assurance, she closed her eyes and she finally drifted off to sleep. The story says that big man climbed out of bed then and got down on his knees. And he began to speak to his heavenly father. And he said, Father, it's dark. Father, I don't know if I have ever seen it this dark before. And I'm afraid. Is your face toward me? And do you love me in the darkness as much as you do in the light? And there may be somebody here tonight who needs to hear, as it were, from heaven that in your deepest and darkest sorrow, the eyes of your heavenly father are upon you. He knows your hurts. He knows your heartaches. He knows the burden you carry. I love the song, the second verse. Does Jesus care when my way is dark? With a, name, when a, with a nameless dread and fear, as the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. And when the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Trust him and lean upon him through the darkness.